Welcome to the PI Podcast, political insights for the palaging inis. I'm your host, Matt, and with me is my co-host, political scientist, meme lord, and Gordon Ramsay of film criticism, Borge. Hindi pa naman. Ilang pa yan. Are we the two old guys from the Muppet Show? <laughs> we should probably change our, our logos <laughs> to that. Yeah. Piyay nyo, piyay nating lahat. Borgia at your service. I think I'm sure that people sitting right next to us in the cinemas would think we are annoying. Pansin mo, parang ingay namin. So we are back from a... Uh, quite fresh from watching the, how do you say, political box office battle of the of the season, if you can call it. Yeah. yeah. Basically... If if you haven't if you've been living under a rock, two movies about the Marcoses and martial law have been released side by side. We have Made in Malacanang, which is produced mm. by Amy Marcos and directed and written by Daryl Yap, who we've been covered before. And all of a sudden, what well, this was well, Made in Malacanang was was promoted much earlier. Mm. And then you have Katips, which is a adaptation of a stage musical depicting the lives of activists during first quarter storm and eventually martial law. Mm. And we decided to inspect and see what all the yeah. fuss was about. Make it a day out. You know, it's been a, we don't go out that often, so might as well. And uh, <laughs> whoa, so yesterday, uh, well, um, Borge, how, how was it? Any general leftover emotions and comments from the experience <laughs> we had? Of course, it's nice seeing you again as usual, but uh, <laughs> that was like... that was a long ass weird day. I mean, we started watching okay. the damn thing on by one p.m. So we started yeah. with Made in Malacanang, mm-hmm. then we wound up with the tips in the last few hours before right. six. Yeah, so oh, yeah. Uh, general impression was a headache first and foremost. Oh yeah, it was a headache, uh, and I think this is something that I would elaborate later on, but I will just lay it out right now. Those movies are not meant for any non-partisan creatures. Mm-hmm. It's a hard watch for anyone who is non-partisan or who, or who are more or less aligned with, you know, third, fourth parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, those movies are meant for their, you know, to pander yeah. to their intended audiences. They're not meant to teach the other side. Mm-hmm. Really not. So, what, yeah. What, what, yeah. But what can you say about the intention? It's everyone's been, you know, giving it like for instance, since there are like side-by-side comparisons of like mm. the cinema's uh, tickets and seats being filled up. Of, of course, there's some that showing the box office saying that 41.8 million in Katips with 41 yeah, million yeah. of uh, Made in Malacanang. In, in, in fact, to me, it's as if that they're trying to make this as a rematch for the elections. As if <laughs> your movie tickets are like balance. You know, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, is there a point? You know, it, like you're right in saying that it caters to your... Uh, in, in, beliefs if you choose yeah. that like you katips it shows you uh like more or less what you want to know that's saying mm. that martial law is bad activism good mm. but uh made in Balakanyang, it caters to saying the, the marxists are actually good you know mm. um humanized even mm. so i don't know and there are even parts about again when they're saying that it's part of historical distortion mm. they're highlighting certain scenes where the way that they depicted gory mm. you know Playing mahjong with the Carmelite nuns, which they say never happened. Even the, even the journalist who said that, that that's not what I meant, mm. <laughs> and they're they're refusing to apologize, saying, "Oh, but I read between the lines or something like that." I'm paraphrasing, but you know, <laughs> it's uh, again. What do you think about it's, the 
battle of reviews even yeah battle of reviews uh, first and foremost it is being politicized and that is not a surprise <laughs> that's a surprise again uh, there's an ongoing battle for our uh, we have a political identity crisis so mm-hmm. filipinos love films we love mm-hmm. watching movies right so <clears throat> it's inevitable it's unavoidable and it would continue on this would not be the last yeah uh, oh, such a battle would would be would be held uh, yes. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think this would be the last of the installment. There may be a trilogy here. Who knows? But uh, this, this is not the last time we would see anything about the Marcuses mm-hmm. in a supposed intimate fashion. Mm. So, yeah, politicization is not a surprise. Uh, personally, I find it pathetic, but uh, it is as it is. So, again, it's a, it's a fight yeah. for political identity. Right. Uh, second, regarding the... You know, uh, are they even... I have historical, the impression that it's yeah. yeah regarding this historical distortion. Uh, just say a disclaimer mm. for those who are listening. <clears throat> uh, for me, I don't want to approach uh, these two movies from the perspective of historical factuality. So yeah. I think we, we can leave that to the other reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, historians would have a uh, open season on this. Yeah, Alberto the Campo yeah. already made a review yeah. about it. Yeah. I, uh, of course, my uh, there were some <laughs> eyebrow raising moments there. Uh, mm-hmm. It is quite there's something that I would say that they have provided a relatively one sided perspective of the entire event, which is right. again, which is fine. It's the purpose of the movie, but uh, one thing, just one example, I think they they forgot to portray Imelda packing diamonds into mm-hmm. diapers, so that's something oh. left out. Uh, wow, that, that's a, that's a, again that's an established fact when they arrived in costumes. So mm-hmm. uh, then again, that was left out in the movie. So again, I would not make any further comments on it from a factual perspective. I would rather focus on it as an art, an, an artifact, you know, um, mm-hmm. an artifact that appealed at the level of psychology. So political right. psychology would be apt. So that's how I would approach it. I mean, a lot of movies have been made about historical figures, political mm-hmm. figures. You know, you have Oliver Stone famously mm. doing it to several presidents. You'd have, of course, the Frost, the Frost Nixon di- interviews. Mm. You'd have, of course, the many movies about Jose Rizal, the many movies about Emilio Aguinaldo, for example. Mm. <laughs> uh, there you have Montonfiado, and then you have Air Estregan, you know, the two very different depictions of Aguinaldo. One is an actioneer, the other one as uh, Montonfiado's typical villainous. <laughs> <laughs> Gangster um, goon look, my god, you know, even as Aguinaldo, he looks like a goon, but that's but he's great whenever mm, he is. Yeah, but yeah. you know, you don't expect it to be historically factual. In fact, there's uh, usually this thing called cinematic license, mm. wherein it, uh, at least the director wants to highlight a particular aspect of it. You can maybe even, you know, um, valorize or maybe even somewhat mm. cri- criticize and deconstruct. Mm. Uh, there was a time where I'm trying to remember, like. There's one year when there was multiple films about uh, Winston Churchill. I think mm. one by yeah John. Uh, what's I can't try to remember. I think on the on, on the side of Brian. One would be by Brian Cox, I think. Yes. The other would be by uh, Gary Oldman. Gary I'm not Oldman. Sure the same year. Yeah. Okay, so not not the same year, but again, multiple films almost. Right. Yeah. So. And then another one is like Steve Jobs. That one was in the same year, you know, mm. one by, played by Ashton Kutcher of all people, and the other one by Michael Fassbender. So, mm. <laughs> two different approaches to Steve Jobs. Uh, but again, if we judge it by film, you know, and not by history, oddly enough, mm. I think I've said this before, 
uh, it's weird that it's not history that convinces. In fact, history is mm. somewhat bland and boring statement of facts and even narratives, but it's not the history books that stay with us. It's usually the myths. It's mm. usually the emotional connection with us. And th- these are perhaps the more potent political tools that it's mm. not about, again, facts. In a way, it's mm. about feelings yeah. that can, in a way, manipulate people. And yeah. both forms of propaganda, in a way, manip- it's, they're both are manipulative, you know, yeah. in some sense. One is more effective than the other. Yeah, uh, one, one is more effective than the other. Clearly. By far. <laughs> clearly. Uh, but we, we'll see which one, depending on our review, because we're going to do that one by one. But mm. right now, I think we have to say clearly, as they, like, this it should not be considered, quote unquote, as historical, as in the historical genre. It's in a way, in a way, circumstantial, I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah, actually yeah. historical, uh, historical, well. historical drama to an extent. Yeah. May, may, okay, first and foremost, uh, historical drama may have a measure of creative license. Yes. yes. Uh, but if you would look at the patterns, there's mm. not one single definitive movie about a single person or a very yes. con- more. The more controversial a person is a more controversial a character is the more movies mm-hmm. are made about that person right so I, I think it is high time that another movie about marcos may be made mm-hmm. by those who are in the opposing side if they if they can bear to give a fair-handed because that's the thing uh, for example the multiple movies about winston churchill mm-hmm. uh, the, the darkest hour gave a picture of winston, winston churchill during his rise to the prime ministerial position. So it's yes. Winston under a crisis. Mm-hmm. The other movie starring uh, Brian Cox, uh, Churchill, showed Winston Churchill as this nuisance who's already, mm. you know, he's no longer a more relevant figure because he's already in the latter part of the war. Yeah. So you have these two types of Churchills. The the mm-hmm. hero, the, the, the one who saves the day, and the other one who is already an annoying, you know, a nuisance. All right. So again, uh, Historical films, the, the creative license may be a bit thin. <clears throat> it, it's mm. not. It's not. It's not supposed to be abused, but there's much space for multiple movies showing multiple mm. dimensions on a controversial figure. Right. Uh, another one regarding history. <clears throat> uh, so something I read from Jose Ortega Gazette a few days ago. Mm. Uh, history is relevant because it is something we carry in the present. Mm. So it is. It has an impact because it is something that makes something present. Something the past mm. relevant now, yes. And uh, the impact or the intended or the supposed the planned effect of both movies, I, I would still classify them as history to an extent, mm. or as part of our history making. That would right. be a more appropriate term. Part of our history making. Mm-hmm. It it tries to make something from the past relevant now, mm-hmm. and this is where the issue of effectiveness comes in. Right. So yeah, so yeah. But it, yeah, and it's funny, you know, people are interested in history not necessarily because of history books, but again because of his like either TV or movie portrayals. You know, people whether they can relate John to Arcelia. it. Yeah, because it's like you hear them, you see them as their visual and their audiovisual representations. You know, I think the most we can say, for example, see about. And like Emilio Aguinaldo is when he was captured, you know, and when he mm. was speaking in Spanish, very soft-spoken, very grainy. Although mm. there are some movies that that depict him as like in color, but it's not a great quality. So you need an actual living person to, mm. you know, give that person form to materialize mm. and embody that historical figure. 
But at the same time, is it that person? Representations of these people are not the same as the people themselves. Mm, yeah. Cesar Montano is not necessarily Ferdinand Marcos. <laughs> yeah. uh, no matter how hard you try, you know. Um, but whether it is a, well, it is effective to the purpose of mm. the film, we shall see. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think so. So in a way, we are here about to discuss this, and it's going to be a double feature again, yeah. back to back, same way. And in a way, we can we watched it, so mm. you don't have to, you know, maybe <laughs> think about what we have to say. But maybe if you're curious, you know, go ahead and mm. uh, see and watch it. All right. So yeah. we shall start now with Made in Malacanang. We started with that. That was the first movie we yeah. watched yesterday, and. Um, so the first thing that we noticed, the, one of the first frames is actually a, a documentary style text saying this is based on true events. Although in Tagalog, I, I, I'm, I don't remember exactly. No, it's, 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 it's yeah. not even based on true events. It's a bit more underhanded. We could not quote it because we forgot to take a picture of the damn thing. We're not allowed but, to but, take pictures. Yeah, yeah, we're not allowed to take pictures. But I think it's, it goes in the way that the movie contains certain real events. Mm-hmm. It's it's not in this in traditional that based on true events or based on real events. So it's mm-hmm. a bit more. It's a modified disclaimer, which is mm-hmm. quite annoying. Yeah, but, uh, that's postmodernism for you. <laughs> we can't even like quote it right now because it's a bit twisted and all. Yeah, that. I do yeah, remember it's not saying. Common. Why say that? I, that's what I remember. It's like saying, um, it's as if like we swear this is what happened in a way. Or yeah, like, I, I think it's it, it goes. Uh, the, dramatic, I think the, 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 yeah. the, the essence of the first was uh, these are the stories that were kept mm. that were to an extent hidden mm-hmm. for years and now it's being exposed. So, yeah. okay. So, yeah, I think that's the main thesis of that screen and again the, the disclaimer about the content regarding mm. whether it's true or not it's a bit weird and unusual so an unusual mm-hmm. disclaimer is not the usual based on true events it's yeah. it's something it contains real things i think we need to we should have taken pictures of them <laughs> yeah I, again we should probably maybe we can do a follow-up and see like what the, yeah. exactly those texts are <clears throat> because it's like Oh, you're asking us to read now? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's odd. I mean, I don't know. It's How it's, many... it's, a, it's an odd. It's a very odd starting yeah, point with an odd con- with conviction. It's not yeah. even like a matter of fact. It's like just ang saksi. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, the and the first thing that pops in is like an '80s version of Nosi Balasi, which is yeah. Sino Basila, which is like in a way. In a way, it distorts the intention of the original song. You say, No si balasi, sino basila. It's actually like either earnestly asking a question or um, what's the word? It's doing the same. Sino basila, an expression of indignation. Who, who do they think they are? So, in some sense, depending on your side, maybe you could take one meaning or the other. But I think. It's kind of clever of song choice. Mm. No si, no si. Yeah, that, that, I think that's a cover of the original. No, no, no. Uh, it was a different one. Uh, the one used in the movie is a cover. Y- yeah, but the original song was Sampagita. Yeah, the original yeah. song was Sampagita, which is, again, it's, it's pop music. But mm, yeah, of it's the a, time. It's of the time, but they appropriated it, which is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And oddly enough, one of the earliest scenes is, of course, 
I think the main character arguably is you we'd expect it to be someone else, maybe the Marcuses. It's of course I mean Marcos, who is mm. you know um bedfellows with strange bedfellows with the Yap who have been creating, I suppose, content and like satirizing the Lenny supporters and Kakampinks, etc. And now this is the I suppose the maybe not not the culmination, but the biggest one yet. She's yeah, biggest one yet. Yeah. She's the creative producer. And now, of course, noticeably, she's almost the hero of the piece. Like, no, she's spoiler alert. She's she's the maiden Malakanyang. Yeah. Oh, I think we should say this that this review contains spoilers, but again, yeah. you can create your ask get your own observations, but these are ours based on mm. well, the details. So yeah, she is the well, number one, Christine Reyes, who plays Amy Marcos, is the most active uh, character in the mm. entire the entire yeah. cast, and oh, uh, yeah. which is fine. I know she did her job well, but at the same time, it kind of makes you think. You know, it, in some ways, what do you think is she trying no, 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 to do? The... Like, is it um, like is, is it to make I mean Marcos look good in some ways? Sometimes no, 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 she no, no, masked no. to both her brother and father. You know, yeah. The, the, the thing is, yeah. regarding the character in the movie, regarding the character yeah. in the movie. <clears throat> Again, the situation is that they're under siege. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is, how can you depict a siege from within? So how? So she embodied the frantic, mm. chaotic nature or the chaotic right. nature of the outside. That's why mm-hmm. she's all over the place. She's uh, she's active. She's aggressive because that right. is that's the impact of the outside world mm-hmm. within the household. Mm. So. Again, uh, it's ineffective. Uh, again, giving due words, uh, giving credit words due. Uh, Christine Reyes actually effectively conveyed that sense mm-hmm. of frantic, you know, paranoia and yes. you know, to an extent, despair mm-hmm. uh, without showing the outside world. So they're not showing. They're not. It, it, yes. it, we could we could barely see the outside world, the, the protesters, mm-hmm. uh, except for some snippets. Right. But still. Throughout the movie, she was able to effectively convey to create that you know environment of yeah. uh, frantic uh, paranoia and panic. I mean, if you notice, this is a typical Darlap style. Like, I mm. think the reason why he has multiple contracts with Viva Viva Studios is that he's able to work for cheap. And most of the not only does he have a small cast, relatively small cast, mm. but he is also uh, is able to work in small controlled spaces yeah like basically there it's only set in two locations number one singapore where you know Amy and her family is called by you know mccoy senior who is mm. played by cesar montano who is uh, of course asked called her back to malacanang and then mm. the rest of the story is set in malacanang mm. uh and, of, and it's, it's almost as if it's like a stage play in itself but yeah. you have you because it's so small, you don't have a lot of things going on. You can focus on the characters. And it's yeah. also very dialogue heavy. And it's mm. also ex- like a, a lot heavy in exposition, but it gives you, you know, time to focus on what's going on in the human drama. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah mm. and I think that leads us to the next issue mm-hmm. about the movie itself, which is the structure. Mm. Uh, where does the propaganda come in? Mm. So... I mean, most people would point yeah. out again with the Corey scenes, you know. Mm. But at the same time, like besides that, which is evident in the trailers, uh, it's I think you noticed it was peppered across. Like it's not mm. like one big thing. 
it's actually quite subtle, which is actually both clever and devious. And I think people. No, I, I think subtle is too. Yeah. I, yeah, think I mean, we have to recognize that yeah, it's, uh, it's actually subtle. No, okay, okay. I think subtle is not the proper word for it because it is also in your face, but it's properly integrated. Mm. Uh, okay, it's not implicit. Okay, I, I, can, I can admit subtle. Uh, but then again, if you would watch the movie, uh, the integration goes like this. Mm. Uh, it's an exposition on first. It would go like an exposition on a family problem, family yes. issue. So it's something very private. Mm. Then during a quote-unquote private conversation, political statements would be made. Mm-hmm. So political mm. issues would be raised. Right. Uh, controversy would be raised. But it is also properly combined with uh, you know, family life, personal issues, personal problems, mm-hmm. uh, and even you know, uh, interactions with the mates. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> I think this is where the effectiveness of the propaganda propaganda in this movie goes yeah uh each private moment appeals to a specific family or private value Mm. but it gets attached to a you know a political statement for example uh the private moment between uh ella cruz and uh uh, Cesar Montano again Mm. the the daughter comforting the father or trying to convince the father to leave Yes. So during that conversation, uh, they ended up discussing. You know, we did our best, and yeah. that there's uh, combined with there's no perfect government in the first place. So mm-hmm. again, it, it's it's in the context of a daughter uh, con- trying to convince a father, trying to comfort right. uh, a distressed father. Mm-hmm. Yet they slipped in political statements yes. justifying the public failures of the Marcoses. Mm. And yeah. it is effective if you are not a key, if you could not separate those two, it's very difficult yeah. to separate. Yeah. And if you're easily impressionable, yeah, you will not question whatever comes out of that. Yeah. <laughs> because honestly, even like, well, even in real life, you're like, you will, I mean, if it's the context of the scene of a, a father and daughter, of course, uh, the daughter would not be privy to a lot of the father's failures and point them out mm-hmm. right then and there. In a way, even if she herself believed that as a daughter or maybe even mm. not, at that point, she needs to get her father mm. out and, and to ev- evacuate Malacanang. Because mm. again, this the situation there, the conflict right there is ends of people power was happening and they were fearing for their lives. It was framed mm. as like a horror movie, like pretty yeah. soon it's in, in imminent danger. And mm. it's weird because again, it, it starts out with again, first, it was their access to the outside world were the maids. And again, this comes mm. in through chismis. You know, mm. which is played by uh, with an accent. And we'll talk mm. about the maids later. But at the same time, again, that scene ignores a lot of the realities that uh, Ferdinand Marcos had, well, was responsible for a lot of economic problems. It was a lot of policy failures. So the fact when he was saying like masama ba kung tao, well, that's a, it's a qualified. So people could say yes, you are, or maybe you were well intentioned, but at the same time, there were lots of failures. No, the, that so, is basically uh, the to, counterpoint to that, which they can <clears throat> well sidestep. Yeah. No, that, that's because the, the situation didn't call for it. Mm. Yeah. That so in is... other words, it wasn't there to say. No one was there. To say that well you did this 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 
it was only the daughter, him and the daughter, and comedically the maid. <laughs> it was and then that's no, the wait. thing. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's a different scene. A different scene. Uh, different scene. Yeah, it, yeah. it allows the viewers to empathize with both of them, <clears throat> and that is the that's the dangerous part of it. Right. You know that this is one thing that makes the maid Malakanyang effective. Hmm. Audiences can empathize with all the characters on different levels. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the movie appeals to different types of fears. Mm-hmm. Very human fears. So fear mm-hmm. of losing one's lives, fear mm-hmm. of losing your loved ones, fear mm-hmm. of losing property, fear of yeah. chaos, fear of change. So these are very human fears. And uh, the movie effectively appeals to all of them. Yes. And uh, again, if you trigger the fear part of the brain, you can convince mm-hmm. anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a basic fact. So yeah. this is where the movie becomes more effective. It is a good play on fear. Yet, mm. yet, yet it's not. There's a, again, the Daryl Yap satirist comes out with the unusual comic circumstances. Oh, yeah. Popping Especially out of through the, the, yeah, yeah, like through the, the maids. Of the maids. Yeah. Yeah. I think so it's a well, I mean, that's well balanced. Y- so it's- yeah. And you'd think, of course, it's called the Maiden Balakanyang. So you would see uh, or your attention beyond them. All of a sudden, and mm. uh, so what? Besides, of course, them being, I suppose, the Marcos's link to the outside world during that time, since they were basically on lockdown. Mm. Uh, what role do you think they play in the entire narrative? Besides, of course, I think one thing I've, I've noticed is, again, the use of chismis, mm. yeah. um, which again has been caused a lot of controversy mm. with Ella Cruz's statements, yeah. and of course, Darliap himself. Yeah. So yeah, what do you think how, is the role of the maids, particularly again number one the cheese maids? Mm. But what else? Okay, okay. Uh, you can empathize with the Marcoses, but I think the maids is the link of the Marcoses to ordinary Filipinos. Mm-hmm. Uh, the viewers can empathize with the maids. So what do they empathize with? They empathize with the idea of good servants serving good masters. That's mm-hmm. basically the purpose of the maids there. Oh, uh, yeah. To emphasize, to highlight, to press down, to nail down that idea yeah. that you have good servants serving mm. good masters. Yeah. Uh, and that is just purely anti-democratic in all senses. But it is yeah, there yeah. and it is effective and sad to say it reflects a Filipino value. There, you know, there are like what? Okay, there are three scenes that we can point out. That I remember now. Number one, uh, they're 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 about to pack. When they're packing their things. They've mm. remembered that. Oh, Imelda gave them fur garments, and it's like, ah, diba, What's the word? Made lang kami hindi dapat ano. Why we can't wear fur? Bakit? Dahil made made ka hindi ka makaka fur, or and we'll give you a chance. I think I'm paraphrasing, but and Imelda, which played by. Um, Rufa Gutierrez. Gutierrez oddly enough is well utilized even though she's her yeah. acting is not the best but she's well utilized no, no, her, acting, her, her acting was fine her acting yeah. was fine it was apt it was apt because she wasn't given a lot to do but anyway um, and yeah so this is a great gesture that's number one um, and number yeah, well let's go but let's start with and then the other one um no, this was the maids. They were also rallying the uh, their fellow staff, the guards, yeah. the drivers, etc., yeah. saying that. May, may mga iba na gusto din maban. 
yeah. they can protect yeah. them is, from you know, the it, assault. Which it, is, is, it is basically yeah. patron-client relations from the perspective of clients. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's you know we can talk about patron-client relations from the level of systems and constitutions and mm-hmm. structures, but this movie shows it in its cultural dimension. Yeah, that this is how patronage works. Yes, this is how you get other other people's loyalties. You become a patron to them. Actually, there are a lot of movies that highlight this, particularly in Japanese films. Like uh, one thing that I remember is the forty-seven Ronin, uh, mm. starring Keanu Reeves. And I honestly, the weird thing about that movie is when they uh, they decide, of course, they betrayed and dishonored their master, and eventually got revenge on uh, the one who killed them, even mm. though they were forbidden mm. by the by the Lord. Uh, mm. by the, but they said no, we have to <clears throat> regain honor, and so we would happily give our lives. Yeah. So and th- for underlings and servants to have that base, it's a very powerful moment for yeah. um, what's it called this for uh, servants to give their lives to the master. But mm. it's even it's equally powerful, if not more powerful, when the master defends or at least at least gives, tries to tries to help their yeah. servants. Yeah. Like there and the fact that this goes on to should we go to the, the scene with the yellow dress? Wait, 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 wait. But before yeah. that one uh yeah. before that one I think let's ground it let's ground this further. Yeah. Uh, again the maids the, the, the household staff embodies the yes. value of loyalty. Which again is a it's it's a human value. It's a natural private and even to an extent political value. But this is highlighted by the the continuous reminder that the marquises were betrayed so this this highlights the the loyalty of the household staff uh, of those mm. who remained because even amongst yeah. them <clears throat> even amongst them there are some who have already you know broken mm-hmm. ranks so the loyal actually loyalty was emphasized here by the you know by the marquises being portrayed right. as surrounded by treasonous uh, yeah, by traitorous people Mm-hmm. That even if they were betrayed by Ramos he, and Enrile yeah. and, yeah. and others, and even like one of the staff, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah. mentioned that apparently, yeah, yeah. uh, I, I can't remember who it was. Well, but the Atikam was Imelda Marcos who yeah. quote unquote tried to assassinate uh, yes. the Marcoses. So even if they were surrounded by the, such uh, you know uh, disloyalty, they they still have the few, mm-hmm. the few, and and again, this is a key term here. Right. This is what makes, you know, Filipinos are very romantic with the few mm-hmm. against the many, the small against uh-huh. the large, the underdog. We yes. have a fascination with underdogs and they made the the maids double these, you know, the underdog status of the Marcoses. Mm-hmm. So it, it's multiple layered. The first layer of underdog is the Marcoses being, quote unquote, surrounded and under siege. So they're already the underdogs. And right. then you have the maids who are now the underdogs facing a mob. So mm. So yeah, so it, it plays with the uh, the fascination of Filipinos with underdogs, right? Uh, and it is this is what makes the damn thing effective. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, just just to sum up my comments on the um, this made in Malacanang, mm. <clears throat> you know, uh, most reviewers that I have read have looked at it from the perspective of you know historical distortion and revision. Mm-hmm. But if you would look at it from a political psychological perspective, this movie mm. is a good survey of our limitations, the political mm. psyche of Filipinos, the limitations of the political psyche of Filipinos, mm. the strengths and limitations, just to be fair. So right. what, what are the things that allows us to support leaders? It's this 
this movie actually surveys it. Yeah. So anyway, it, it's a, it's encompassing. That's why it's 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 effective. It touches upon so many emotions. I mean, quite amusing. Oh, at one point in the, when I was watching it, it, I'm reminded again that a lot of people believe that Marcus's was the closest thing we had to a royal family, kings, mm. queens, prince, and princesses. Yeah. But the weird thing, and I want to highlight this other scene a bit earlier in the film, wherein he was talking about like one of the maids, Beverly, at, uh, mm. um, played by Beverly <clears throat> something. Uh, one was outright like with a Lucana, I think. Mm. And then she was saying that, you know, hindi kayo pareho ng, well, she was talking to Bong Bong, played by Diego Loizaga, mm. and saying, you know, you're not the same as your parents. <laughs> yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Just because yeah. you are spoiled. But sila nanggaling sa ano, nanggaling sa hirap. And the weird thing is that they remembered that when one of, the, one of their uh, fellow maids fell asleep on the job, Imelda would take off her shoes and, and tiptoe so yeah. she wouldn't yeah she would not uh, wake up the maids and mm. for this uh, this gesture is like a very small mundane issue but for the common people you know that's actually kind of heartwarming don't you think what do yeah. you think about that scene that's the thing uh, you know uh, we Filipinos are yeah. easily well, Filipinos are easily grateful for some things Mm-hmm. And I think this is what hi- this is what had been highlighted by the role of mm-hmm. the maids that they are right. grateful, they're grateful for small and mundane things because mm-hmm. their lives uh, are mundane. <clears throat> their their whole life is living and cleaning <clears throat> the house yeah. and going after the mundane needs of their mm-hmm. uh, of their of their clients, their masters. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so yeah, they are yeah they are basically the those they are within the private sphere of the Marcoses. Mm-hmm. So they they care little about the public that they are also part of. Mm-hmm. They yes. are concerned with their private lives, which are intertwined with the Marcoses, with the private lives of the Marcoses, to be more specific. So mm-hmm. you know that, that's this is the thing about personality politics. Mm-hmm. Personality politics gives access to followers yeah. to a supposed private sphere. That mm. makes that you know is allows them to establish an intimate relationship with the leader. This is key in personality politics. Is personalistic mm. politics is personalistic not because you're, you're only emphasizing the personality of the leader. It's personalistic because the followers can establish mm. intimate ties. Intimate ties with uh, mm-hmm. the leader, whatever that intimate tie is. That intimate tie may be shallow. It may be substantial. But that intimate tie would be there. So, yun yun eh. uh, and this was highlighted by the roles of the maids. So, mm-hmm. and and again, it, this was reciprocated with what you're already going to mention the the the, the last the, the mm. one of the last peaks. The, the the could you could you give a summary of that concluding mm. scene? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, well, I don't know. There's a. I'm reminded of another scene first before we get mm. to that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, two things actually. Number one, there was this other scene. Which is a, I think it was chapter two or three. Well, anyway, these are chapters. Um, there was this one that said Ilocos or Leyte. She was asking, yeah, yeah, yeah. questioning one of the, I think the mm. guards. Yeah, he like the, he was yes. loyal. And because said, he, he looks Ilocos. new. He looks new. Yeah. But then yeah. he said Ilocos, and he said you signed <clears throat> or gave money for our wedding. Mm. So that's in a way patronage. <clears throat> yeah. And now he is giving his service after like. Um, yeah, after the Marcos family helped fund their wedding. Mm. So I think this is also, 
again what highlights like in some ways i mean this well this some like this represents maybe a lot of relations with the inner well the direct influence of marcos's there's usually a lot of money involved in fact one of the first scenes again (laughs) there's a whole box of money a whole stack of money and i and it was like, oh, you should have given this to the uh, poll watchers, the campaigners. And I was like, oh, so, okay, there's a lot of money and you admit to bribing them. I was like, well, no, this is a token for their time. <laughs> it's it's like, not bribery. It's a token for their time and their, their hard work. That's, a, that's another thing about like maybe spinning it. You know, like people say, oh, that's vote buying. That's bribery. You're buying people. It's like no, it's it's just and tokens, it, and, and it and it can be spun. That's yeah. the, that's you know that's the problem. You know from yeah. a legal from a legalist perspective, you can simply say yeah, it's it's illegal, yeah. but you know from a political cultural perspective, the problem there is it can be spun and it can be spun effectively, mm-hmm. and it can be excused mm-hmm. because you know it's it's also a value to show gratitude mm-hmm. beyond what is required. Mm. Uh, so yun yun eh. uh, what is required is just their wages mm-hmm. but it is also part it's, it's a cultural artifact to give more than what is required you know give to gifts. give something extra yeah so give giving that's yeah. a cultural practice so yun yun eh. uh, oh, nakagay, that, that's what the first yung pagbalik pa lang ni Aimee I mean, I mean, <laughs> taon kahon ng, kahon ng 50 pesos I mean most people would say that you know a lot, if, if you flaunt your riches it's usually like a cultural no-no even in the Philippines but again it's like oh daming pera it's like ah para sa mga tao nila it's like okay but it's like I mean if you're a regular theater goer I'm like that's still messed up then again it's like very early you're not really seeped into it but I do want to highlight this other thing which is related to the um, again how she outright said that oh Bombo Marcos is spoiled and that this in a way openly also pokes fun at the Marcoses mm. you'd have of course Aimee Marcos dressed in Madonna which looks ridiculous but mm. the time but apparently it's despite her mother apparently <laughs> you have literally I suppose a like that quiet scene where Imelda's walking through her shoes. Okay, yeah. they're taking it on the chin. You'd expect it mm. to and you have, of course, um well, okay, so it's like out it, yeah, they're making they're able to make fun of the Marcoses and how they depicted, of course, Bong Bong, who oddly enough, despite being the current president, mm. was seen as in a way a meek. Some people say call them a coward, and but others inept. inept, but at the same time confused young man. Mm. And maybe you can talk a bit about that before <clears throat> the final scene. You know, yeah, you know, uh, there's a powerful scene between him yeah. and yeah. Cesar Montano. And yeah, both of real life, like Diego Loizaga and Cesar Montano, are both a father and a son tandem playing a father and a son character, playing both <laughs> Marcos and Pedro Marcos Senior. Mm. So what, what can you say about like that particular scene, which actually? Okay is dressing down yeah. the current pre- president as a teenager, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. a young man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would take this multiple levels before I link it with another general theme yeah. in the movie, which is about imperfection. So before we go to that general theme, the, the scene itself, first and foremost, Jack Luizaga's acting is shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. sorry about that. But yeah, it, it is shit. Uh, it was... Uh, it, it was... Uh, uh, Stark contrast. Cesar Montana's acting took a peak in that, you know, in that scene, mm-hmm. uh, as a father, as a stern father. So the role right. of stern father was there. 
but Jack Lozaga's acting is just a mismatch. But uh, okay, acting aside, acting aside, the entire the essence of the scene is only a father can, you know, uh, you know, uh, do that to a son. Hmm. So only a father can do that to a son. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a moral undressing of, of bad mm-hmm. ones. It's it's castigation. Only a father can castigate a son. Uh, again, the, the, for those who are, haven't watched it, watch the entire scene. If you want to know yeah. more, uh, it's but worth again, studying. Actually, yeah. But that's that's one. But I would link it to another part, which I think this was peppered in the other, you know, in the other scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, only a son, uh, only the father can undress or can castigate a son, mm-hmm. <laughs> but only a father can castigate himself, mm-hmm. and that is what you know. Uh, Cesar Montano's portrait of Marcos did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there were scenes wherein he doubted himself. You know that he needed. You know he, he showed that uh, in despair he would say he would he would rather die inside Malacanang. Yeah, which is which is not really, you know. Uh, and this is the link to another theme that I would like to raise, which is, I think it's an important one. And I have read multiple reviews of Made in Malacanang and they have missed this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Filipinos wear imperfection as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. We use imperfection as a way you know, to ground ourselves, to say that we are human. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the dark side of using it as a badge of honor is we can use it to excuse failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the movie did was, you know, th- this is the thing. Uh, the movie did not, it did not need to glorify Marcos. Mm-hmm. It only did it implicitly by having his picture all over the place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to an extent, subtly, uh, indirectly by, you know, saying that, letting other voices other than Marcos say that we're the greatest or they're the yeah. Marcos for the greatest. But what mm. the movie did was to humanize the Marcoses and to, again, emphasize imperfection as a badge of dignity under mm. conditions of indignation. Mm. This, is, this is what makes it dangerous to an extent as well. Mm. Uh, yung, again, going back to the scene between Ella Cruz and Cesar Montano, between the daughter and the, and the father, mm-hmm. The, the, the argument that uh, wala namang gobyerno, wala, wala namang pamahalan ng perfecto, mm. then add it up with, ginawa mo naman ng nakakaya mo, you did your best. Mm-hmm. And that is enough to wipe away failure. Mm-hmm. Or to excuse failure. Not necessarily mm-hmm. to wipe it away, but to excuse it. Yeah. And this, I think, is the key propaganda of Made in Malacanang. Yeah. And I think this is the one of the main, if not the main thesis of it. Mm-hmm. So everyone who is analyzing quote-unquote historical revisionism, they're missing the main thesis. Yeah. And the main thesis is failure, public failure can be excused by mm. appealing to private imperfection mm-hmm. or to human frailty. Yeah. So yun yun eh. At that moment where in, you know, it's about, even at the end of that scene, it's like about the, a father and a son reconciling. Mm. Like it's weird that he was in a way uh, like people saw him. He was mm. he was scolding his son for wearing military uniform in the press conference. So mm. it was a public, you know, uh, no no. It was a public mistake. And then he just asked him, "So why are you trying to make a fool out of me?" I said, "I'm this is, I'm paraphrasing again. I'm wearing this because I want to, them to know that I'm on your side and I'm ready to fight." You know. Mm. 
and he was even egging on saying that if even according to general ver you know if there, there are people still loyal for us if i fought then uh we would win and so there but yeah but he did not again this is an, an important thing he did not want people he didn't want his son to fight True. this actually shows i suppose a mixed message and on the one hand at that moment momon looked like a fool but he was someone who wanted to defend his father and was willing to fight but again and this is the whole reason why i suppose the greatest counter argument to the peaceful narrative of the uh, edsa as the peaceful revolution it was because the marcoses did not choose not to fight it chose not to retaliate even at, it was highlighted at that moment even though his son wanted to fight so for, yeah, for one reason or another again speculations <clears throat> but for one reason or another that fact must be accepted there was no mm. retaliation we don't know the exact reason the right. movie provided the old reason of marcus being merciful mm-hmm. that's and again you know the, the the arguments made to excuse or to explain what the marcoses did during mm. the, those last few days these are very old arguments i right. i was a pro marcos i'm familiar with all of these arguments way way before it's mm. not something new unless okay. you are thoroughly unfamiliar with the pro marcos or the apologist mind you Which will, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. if yeah. you're not familiar with how they think you will find this new but for me these are you know these are old ideas being reprojected back up the audience and, and how did you feel watching that it, it, you know it was painful <laughs> painful <laughs> because, how you know it's, it's nostalgic because i yeah. used to believe in those things mm-hmm. i used to believe in those things and so part of me needs to make peace with those and try to mm-hmm. complete the picture because i right. could not easily you know dismiss those mm-hmm. but uh But yeah, it's it's painful. But if yeah. you are a pro Marcos, then it's basically the movie projecting whatever you're believing in in the first place back at you. Yeah, so which you know, again, it's empower empowering in that sense. But again, only for the crowd. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Let, let's go to the last. The, the you know, last this is scene. Very curious scene. Yeah, curious. which the way they depicts not just the supporters but also the enemies, how they show their enemies, mm. and of course this shows at the final moment they're about to evacuate, saying goodbye in their last sauna, quote unquote, and then all of a sudden, of course they showed the yellow supporters, the supporters of Corey Aquino, people of representing people power. As vandals, you know, burning people uh, with torches, breaking in and entering violently, and yet before oh, they were no, going, not burning people, sad among burning people, <laughs> burning, oh, sorry, things. Burning. Burning no, things. They're burning things. They're burning everything. Arsonists. Around. They're arsonists. Yes, <laughs> burning people. Yeah. <laughs> and before they were, it was of course Aimee's idea, quote unquote, mm. saying that okay, before we go, like so that you'll be safe and they won't hurt you. Take a piece of my mother's dress, Imelda's yellow dress, you know, and since they began cutting it, the yellow dress, and then put it around their heads to make to disguise themselves as uh, people power revolutionaries, Corey supporters, and this is a touching scene because I well I don't know whether it's true or not. It's again a prized possession of their master, like Imelda's mm. yellow dress. Which is impractical. I'm hmm. sure there are a lot of yellow fabrics around, but it's out of like a dress. Yeah. So and what? And what does that scene? Yeah. yeah. And, what do you think make, about the scene? Make yeah. the L sign as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the Laban sign. So yeah, mm. that, that was the. You know what? You know that that. that okay, okay. 
Okay, it, it just dawned on me on why right. that scene was a bit a bit curious. Mm. It reminded me of the scene from Silence. Ah, so that the end of Silence, yeah. Yeah, when when the, he he told them just just spit on it or step on it, step on the icon. Yes. So, ah, uh, in order for them to survive, in order for them to not be persecuted. Yes. Did Daniel Yap watch that? Because if he did, that would be sick. <laughs> oh, it's like connecting it to like your faith in Christ. Is still alive. Oh God! Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope he didn't watch, but if he did watch it, and like you know, I think he did. But I think, it did. I think regardless, <laughs> regardless of that, it's like taking a piece of your master. In other words, yeah, outright desecrating it. But it's like, a very intimate item. My because, flesh. Yeah, it's an intimate item because it's it's, 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 it's a dress. Almost like Catholic on my like take yeah. a piece of a body. You know, yeah. but it's the only thing that's more intimate than your dress is your body. So it's like yeah. taking a piece of it. It's like a, a weird religious ritual. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. It's the closest. Yeah, it's the closest thing that they could have with Imelda. Which is her dress. So, and yeah, just like end of silence. Yeah, that that, that oh, okay. Wow. That that scene reminded yeah. me. Of. And I hope he didn't watch, but I think he did. If he did, that was just yeah, effectively sick. But uh, but yeah, that, that's that, that's the point there. Uh, they have offered their you know they have offered their lives to their mm-hmm. masters, and the masters repaid them quote unquote wow. by giving something intimate to them, mm-hmm. in an attempt to you know attempt to save them. Mm-hmm. So, and they did. You know, and they they wore those, and they they tried to sneak out of Malacanang. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that is just, in a way, it represented how maybe a lot of Marcus supporters, how what they did, during hmm. just to survive. Yeah, they and pretended they, yeah. to like Corey. Yeah. Just so they won't be persecuted. Yeah, it and, highlights and, that, you know, that that feeling of, of persecution. The, persecution of the people power it was a monstrous movement out of fear they mm. pretended but again that could mean that there could be more people it could be yeah. more loyalists out there loyalists just can, pretending yeah yeah. Can, yeah loyalists can no they're no longer pretending now but yeah. they are reminded of the times probably wherein they needed to hide so, they feel less so yeah i think that yeah. last scene was you know a clear message to the supporters saying that this were us. This 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 is what happened to us before. We needed to hide. Literally, needed, parang kakore kurisitan yeah. from yeah. the silence. Yeah. God. yeah, we yeah. we need we needed to hide. We need to be we needed to hide our quote unquote faith. Mm-hmm. So now it's it's messed it's, up religious yeah. parody. And, yeah. And and you know, uh, okay, just just to be fair, other than that, and I think that this scene actually embodies you know the, the the violence, the violence, and the fear caused by that mm. violence in any uprising. Right. Uh, you know, uh, revolutionaries can excuse the fear that such disturbance and such chaos a mm. mob can produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, revolutionary can excuse that. Even mm. I can, personally. Yeah. But if, if you're an ordinary Filipino, it would it would emphasize it would trigger your allergy for disorder mm-hmm. because. And that is realistic, you know. Uh, there were clashes between pro-Marcos and anti-Marcos uh, people during that mm. raid in Malacanang. Yeah, and their you know, people were that, hurt. It's not bloodless. Yeah, that there would always be quote-unquote collateral damage in any political transitions of such mm-hmm. nature. Uh, but yeah, uh, this that that was the perspective. So I think that scene, those last few scenes, embodied two perspectives mm-hmm. that people can empathize with. Mm. First, as you mentioned, and I do agree with this one. Ngayon ko lang napansin din na 
yeah, this was actually a message saying that this this we we were forced to hide mm. so that you will not be persecuted. So it, the perspective of the persecuted. The other perspective is the perspective of collateral damage or those mm-hmm. who or the unintended victims. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, that, that last scene appealed to the all too Filipino allergy for disorder. Yeah. And I have data for that. We are yeah. allergic to disorder. <laughs> mm. But one thing that kind of hit it home is that it, besides, of course, the theatrical dramatization mm. of people burn, they in they spliced it with real footage of real like looters mm. real people like steal like raiding malacanang and saying this belonged to the filipino people okay that's mm. the famous clip but at the same time they did not look they look again if you put them together just supposed together yeah it, they, they they all look like criminals and mm. these are supposed to be the people that represented the peaceful people power movement but you are raiding someone's house mm. someone say the people's house but like like the Versailles or something, mm. you know, so but yeah, it, it it's it's a scary picture. It makes them look like monsters, and it again blurs the line between this dramatization and history, mm. which again makes the ending a bit more powerful. What do you think? Do you think that there's the use of the documentary clips and news items, the real mm. ones? For those who are familiar with the anger of Filipinos. And mm. the sufferings that they have endured, mm. that would ground those images closer to reality, because mm. those were people who were angry. Those were people who had suffered enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you would look at it alone, as right. it is, without knowledge of or with ignoring the, right. the 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 sufferings of other people, if you would ignore the sufferings of those who raided Malacanang. Yeah. Then you would simply say that they are agents of destruction, mm-hmm. agents of chaos, and this appeals to again the value of quote unquote stability and peace, and order, and such and such, which Filipinos are very close to. Did you see that clip, um, like published by the Vincent Timens fan page? It showed like a tita uh, saying like, "Oh, kamo sa yung pelikula." Oh, naiyak ako kasi naawa ko. Naawa ko sa mga Marcoses. Walang hiya kasi Cory. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it did its job in doing that. You know, it made the enemies look monstrous and made their side as the victims here. And it's 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 even I thought it was effective. You know, uh, it ignores a lot of things. But with a magnifying glass, you know, it's, it's powerful. But it's sometimes that's what drama power. does. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the reason why drama is drama. You know, literature is that it, and way emphasizes certain things while ignoring others. Mm. Like real life has so many factors. But mm. the reason why sometimes like a TV show as a studio is that it's uh, so it can control the environment. You know, yeah. control what things can be said and what's not said, or what yeah. can be heard and not heard. So of course it's ignores a lot of things, but as a dramatic, uh, how you say, tool or propaganda, mm. uh, as an appeal to emotions, it was effective mm-hmm. because it's it's both in your face, yes, and uh, Filipinos can relate easily with it. Mm-hmm. So... Even with a cam- cameo with Robin Padilla, like, what? <laughs> I, um, I was part. I was confused with that. What the? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I mean, it, it could have ended it there, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, just Bonifacio multiverse. <laughs> oh my god! 
<laughs> it's weird. It's bo- like Cesar Montano also played Andres Bonifacio at mm. one point, and so so did Robin Padilla. So it's Bonifacio meeting Bonifacio. Hello, <laughs> Basigardo Versosa, then completo na. Oh yeah. Oh, speaking of which, is you know that Cesar Montano is the one of the few actors that have played Jose Rizal, Andres Bonifacio, and Ferdinand Marcos. <laughs> Very prominent national symbols, you know. So it's like. <laughs> Goodness, it's a masterstroke in casting, actually, and the fact that he has a son who can play Bombo, his son, yeah, yeah, okay, he's he's Jack Loizaga's acting is just black. But <laughs> it was he did create a memorable line saying that oh, Babalik didn't come with his mother, Rufa. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that was creepy. Like him, them looking at each other's eyes. Like, like what's it with the Marcos movies and the tendency for Oedipal <clears throat> loans. There's even an Oedipal theme in like Gidutang uh, Tadhana where Ferdinand Marcos Sr. had a lot of close scenes with his mother. So I was like, hmm. Because that's, that's royalty for you. <laughs> well, not just that, but I suppose it's to highlight fil- it's catering to Filipino values. Yeah, 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 we don't even have... It's, yeah. I think it's only Oedipal from a middle-class educated perspective. But a from, perspective, from, from, yeah. from an ordinary Filipino's perspective, I don't think it's not. Yeah, it's not uh, our mothers. Yeah, yeah we, we just love our mothers. So that's something that it's emphasized. The even that podcast movie. loves our mothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... And of course, the very last scene is the famous scene about Corey. Maybe you can speak quickly about how they... <laughs> I mean, honestly, they could have ended with like Aimee picking up the flag. That was a powerful moment. Yeah. But apparently, they had to have like, one last scene where said, I want them out of the Philippines. Like, Corey wanted them out of the Philippines and playing Mahjong with nuns, which is, again, caught a lot of people's attention in the media. So what can you say about that? They made a cartoonish version of Korea Kino for <laughs> She even had a hair roller. Yeah, I have a hair roller and her hair looks like a wig and, you know, mm-hmm. it's a cartoonish version. Yeah. Uh, it's probably uh, uh, done out of spite. <laughs> Clearly. <clears throat> I mean, it was really effective even without it. I mean, without... But that, that was... Yeah. <clears throat> that was... Uh, my response to that one is, how dare you speculate about things outside Malacanang? Mm. The, the topic of your movies about what goes inside right so how dare he expect mm. it about something that went outside I mean, so in I think that sense it is distortion that is that is distortion yeah that is distortion okay it's distortion not because not only because it's false but because it dared to move outside the topic yeah they couldn't yeah, help yeah. themselves i guess they couldn't help themselves they they, yeah. they, they just hate the kinos that much which, which mm-hmm. is again again understandable uh, they have been portrayed as cartoonish for the past few decades as well. So, payback mm-hmm. time. Oh my, but, yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, as in terms of the integrity, it was powerful that again, Imelda played the Christian is picking Wait, up the though. flag. Yeah, that was yeah, a nice yeah, scene. Yeah, that, it should have was, ended there. Yeah, pero, me, yeah, but they they had to. They had to. They they they, they had the, to go with twist the, the knife a bit. Yeah, twist the, the, the knife yeah. a bit. But you know, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, my. Yun lang ang response ko na sa scene eh. I'm not angry about whether it's true or not. I'm just, I just, how dare you move outside Malacanang and speculate about things that went outside. Going outside their own yeah. framework. Claire. Yeah, kaya frame mo lang is nasa, in Malacanang eh. You're yeah. to deal with what goes inside, what yeah. goes outside. So, <laughs> and maybe something to cap up with this Already one hour. Like, can we do another hour for Katips? I don't know. Maybe quickly. No, k- k- the, the thing yeah. is, Katips is... 
as you said, straightforward. But yeah, <laughs> I told then, you. Okay, that's not. Good. Yeah. Uh, again, just some final notes. Uh, Rupa Gutierrez's acting was, you know, she had the limited role, but it was it was fine. Uh, no way she was anything like Imelda, but yeah. if she just walked slowly, yeah, dressing like Imelda, that's fine. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I think, yeah, well, yeah, okay, no matter. But uh, Ella Cruz's acting was fine. I think si Jagulo Zaykal talaga acting na medyo pasure. But other than that, I mean, the maids were also fine, especially yeah. especially men with Carla Estrada. I'm like what? Yeah. She's normally like the queen mother, quote unquote. Mm. Like she is a big celebrity, but mm. here playing a maid, hmm, I suppose it's a humbling effect. Maybe <clears throat> you know, it's yeah. a good role for her yeah. as a prime I suppose, follower of the Marcoses, which mm. again may be true to life. Mm. So, uh, and yeah. it is, it's something. It is again, again, just reiterate this movie. Do look at it from a political psychological perspective. Yes. Find out the values, the political values we have, and you will right. see it. Most of it is in that movie. It's a survey yes. of the limitations and you know strengths of our character, mm. of our political psyche, and uh, this is what makes the entire thing perniciously effective and effectively pernicious. Mm-hmm. It can appeal to those. So so yeah, I think that's my before I say anything else. I, we need to compare it with Katips. Yeah. But for so. this one, I think we I think we have to recognize that Daryl Yap is good at what he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah, oh damn. It is it is as it is. And, say... You know, yeah. In a way we okay, let's move on to the next movie, you know. Oh. And in a way, after that, we were preparing to like this film since it, it, the way that it was funny thing. We, we did spend money on theaters. And while, of course, I, my money went to the Katips, paid for both the tickets, it was Borge who paid for the Made in Balkanyu. So he's the one supporting Daryl Yap. But, you know, if you don't want to, wait for the streaming. Wait, But, you know, we in a way, we're doing it so you don't have to. But with Katips, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, support this film instead since it's about you know, truer depictions of the of the time, and uh, it is also a musical. Which okay, we're expecting a bit of camp and a bit of unnecessary singing and <laughs> out of place. And we were well, we wanted to like this film, and we wanted this to be more successful. Right now, it's earning slightly more than made it in Malacanang, and people are almost saying it's your duty to watch this film. But when you watch this film, is it as effective or more effective? Uh, okay, what are the you want to say? Uh, what yeah, are our standards for effective again? Uh, I think one imp- I proper think imp- camera yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! Every- the, yeah. The cameraman was went rogue. He he went nuts. He went he went mad with power. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it's as if they were using again stage choreography and stage aesthetics. They were acting as if they were on stage, but they're clearly. Well, it began in like the, the mountains. I'm like, but kaya na sa bundok. Like you're supposed to be like what? I suppose in the UP. So and anyway, why are you dancing there. Yeah, why are you, you know, dancing there? Oh. It, it, the, the thing is, the substance. May, okay, okay. This I think there's something that. Okay, let's lay it out first. The substance right. may be realistic, but the form is not. Yeah. This is the problem. This is my prom- primary problem with this. Now, mm-hmm. going back to the notion of what is effective or what is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was implicit already in our analysis of Made in Malacanang. But mm-hmm. for me, my judgment of whether it's effective or not mm-hmm. is whether there's a proper integration of personal and private affairs mm-hmm. with political statements. Yeah. So I already said that it was effectively integrated in Made in Malacanang. 
mm-hmm. but for katips the integration was loose mm. it was it was just loose yeah. uh, you have on one hand very private issues mm-hmm. and the connection between them and specific political statements that are not subtle mm-hmm. that are very explicit that are in your face right. the ties are not it's not as clear mm. it's not as streamlined mm. you know in hindi siya yung kasi sa Maiden Malacañang private issue private you know private conversation quote unquote right. then sinisiksik yung mga di pagkakasiksik nung political statement eh pero mm-hmm. sa katips hindi eh and the thing is it is aware of yeah. such a it is aware of such a divide between the private and the public mm. it is aware of it it's conscious of it mm-hmm. especially especially the, the 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 character of lara yeah so La- lara okay. she, La- she, sorry go yeah 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 <laughs> uh, maybe i should try and at least summarize it made malakayang is more like again straightforward it was the marcus's mm. evacuating malakayang and how they dealt with the stress yeah. and drama of possible betrayal and were for their lives. Oh. That's Made Malacanang. Katips is about, again, a group of activists, some of them students, others professors. Uh, again, fight, being activists, fighting against, participating in the mm. uh, first quarter storm. Um, and then all of a sudden, martial law is, mm. uh, is declared. Some of them are tortured. Some of them lost their lives. It's also and a fight for their lives, yeah. Also, the vice for their lives, and eventually, fast forward to the current day, and they are celebrating it in Batag ng mga bayani, and that's it. <laughs> so both um, movies were struggles for their lives, <laughs> but the <clears throat> threats were different. The threat yeah. for Made in Malacanang were the activists. Yeah. The threat yeah. for <clears throat> for the activists is the martial law regime, yeah. and clearly, I think it adds like old tropes like. Them being well gakami, you know, singing uh, well gakami. I'm <laughs> I'm ko lang. In Uh-oh. both movies, Ramos was a threat. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Rest so, in peace, Ramos. But... He, was a, he was a threat to Marcos during Medin Malacanang, and he was a threat to activists when he was head of the PC. There you go. <laughs> but of course, the PF for Paul is played masterfully, like particularly by Montoya, who was done well. But again, his the camera couldn't focus on it properly. Like, what the hell? The camera couldn't well. focus on shit. <laughs> but it was the first time I saw him, I heard him sing. So that's interesting. <laughs> as Javert, I suppose. By the way, I think we can call like the tips as Les Mis, a failure at trying to be Les Mis. Yeah, yeah it's Les Mis that you bought Divisoria. It's too bad. It's discount Les Mis. Okay. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly, there's a lot wrong with it, but maybe we can start on... What was good or interesting about this movie? Like, I what think, did you take away from it? Yeah, I think the, the moments wherein they're not singing or dancing, <laughs> the, act, the actual dialogues were substantial. Uh-huh. It was an exploration of, again, the great divide between the private and the public, the yes. great divide and where they are linked. So, mm-hmm. for the for Katips, it emphasized that what links the private and the public, one of the links that had been mm-hmm. highlighted in the movie, is actually lost. So right. the characters, many of them lost someone. Yes. And this is what links uh, their private lives to the public. I mean, what the first makes, one, yeah. yeah. I mean, this, the first one was, uh, I suppose, one character there clearly was a labor leader and a professor, Professor Kimpo. Kimpo. Yeah. yeah. 
who is the father mm. of Lara, the, uh, one of the characters who mysteriously came back from the United States, mm. which is an interesting... I think she's an interesting focal point of the film because she represents the apolitical, neutral, comfortable, privileged Filipino. Mm. And I think they were trying to, again... Convert. Uh, com- convert and educate, and of course, instill character development, and which, to which she does, which is interesting. Yeah. It was dynamic. Um, but, hey, was it yeah. dynamic? But, uh, you know, the, the lesson with Lara's case is something that they will not admit and to an extent they are hopeful would not happen. Right. Even, the, even one of the songs admitted this one, which mm-hmm. is the only thing that can make or convert someone is trauma. Mm. Yeah. They didn't, they, they didn't quote-unquote educate her in the film. They didn't. They, they tried to, but the only yeah. thing that made her change her mind was the loss of her father. Was knowing the loss of her father. So yeah. that is the truth that, you know, it's subtly recognized yet set aside right. in the movie because they're hoping that people need not lose someone they love before mm-hmm. they start fighting. But the fact is they need to. Yeah. <laughs> Most people I mean, it, need to have trauma before they start fighting. You know, it's weird. Yeah. Like you'd think that she would, she, ideologically, she was actually resistant they were bashing America. She enjoyed America. In fact, she was a famous Broadway actress. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's, and she was speaking English, although at some points she could speak and understand Tagalog. So it wasn't clear if she knew Tagalog or not. I don't know. It's confusing. Uh, at some points she, uh, anyway. Yeah, the, um, the dialogues were good. So that's, uh, yeah. They're when they good when they're singing, not dancing. Yeah, <laughs> singing and dance. Um, but there was this other interesting converse, um, interesting confrontation. Uh, which I think is a key moment. Before she, they revealed that she, her father was dead, they were actually arguing again with perhaps the, the role of art again. Mm. Um, like for instance, she was playing with the piano, fiddling mm. with it, and then they were interpreting it with again uh, poetry. Uh, ca- what casual comments on political economy, like foreign debt, like uh, <laughs> foreign debt. No, no, no. Corruption. She, 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 she yeah. was pl- no. she was playing. Piano, and yeah, they were providing they were co- political commentary. Yeah, it's poetry. Uh, it's poetry. Political commentary. <laughs> Why won't you recognize this poetry? They're, they're reciting poems. <laughs> yeah, but they're like saying, uh, there's this one man who isang tao lang na gumawa ng batas na hindi ayaw ng kongreso. Parang, it's that, that, like, that's, it, that's it's a political statement. Yeah. yeah it's, it's poetry for them. It's, it's just poetry. Saying. But it's like outright stating like, Fuck Marcos, actually. So it wasn't subtle at all. You know, it's not, art is at least has some level of subtlety. But again, uh, it's that's poetry. Our, it's, just recognize it. It's poetry. Okay, I'm I'm fighting for it. Cut right now, even if I slightly hate the damn thing. <laughs> well, this represents in a way the unsubtle political poetry and art of yeah, activism. So I suppose, but it. I don't know. It it has, again. It has no. It did not convert. Uh, what's her name? Luce, Luce? Lara. Lara. It did not. It did not convert her. Then. It. I don't think it could convert them now. It, again, it's only through the loss of her father, of, of someone personally close to her, that eventually got, um, got converted. But, um, I think it was. She ha- had the confrontation with Alet, who was at that time ang tandang sora. Mm. Na, uh, the frame sounds as a new katipunan, a katipuneros. Mm. And the Kandangsor is the woman who would take care of the wounded. And this most of the scenes there was 
their in the headquarters mm-hmm. and they were arguing what was that were they arguing over like uh no like she was actually belittling her for being a political for being uh pretty for privileged. being young and privileged and being a, a, in a way maybe not apathetic but detached from their struggle yeah i think that they were she, they were annoyed that they that she wasn't uh empathetic to them or sympathetic mm-hmm. to them so and then yeah again they i don't know if it was she all she wants is to meet with her father and then all of a sudden that's when they reveal that your father's dead and then, then she joins their side so I suppose that dynamic there shows perhaps the dynamics of how the how the movement spread. It's basically how the regime killed loved ones. So it's not out of ideology. It's out of, in a way, survival. You wanted to survive mm. or maybe you wanted to, wanted to stop. But eventually, if you fought them, following that scene, there's another street rally. Like two of them were captured. Mm. So, and eventually graphically tortured. We can move on to that later. But what do you think about that dynamic? Mm. There's a thing. <clears throat> that was a message that was implicitly conveyed. I don't mm. know if it was meant. Uh, but the explicit statement was that you need to fight because it's right. Mm. But the implicit circumstance is that many fight or at least Lara or her kind do fight mm. uh, because of again personal trauma right it would be a great factor that mm. must be taken into account but uh, hmm. yeah I think that's the only thing that I can get from that mm-hmm. uh, did it flesh out why do they fight uh, it I mean, did yeah. to an extent it, 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 it fleshed out the ideals that they have but then again mm-hmm. this is this this type of propaganda film is an in your face type. So yeah. again, uh, motherhood I, statements, yeah. ideological I, pronouncements, and slogans and whatnot. I mean, it doesn't really show you like how the Philippines was at that time. Only it's how the characters were affected by it, and it were mm. it was them being mm. killed and tortured mm. on screen, electrocuted, pissed, literally pissed on. My God, like. You were just singing songs earlier, love songs, and then all of a sudden, I knew that it was an abrupt. Uh, I knew that would happen. Tone change of like, okay, like being burned by irons and cigarettes, and yes. then being like having their nails being like cut off and peeled yeah. off. And it was like an actual like rape. Moncomfiado living his role as like, you know, a rapist <laughs> or a goon. Like my goodness. Um, so I, and I think this is a common trope among anti-martial law literature and um, and movies mm. and, fi- and film genres. It highlights which is something that was not shown in public, and mm. perhaps I suppose um, in what you imagine, like you, 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 people just suddenly disappeared, and they depicted that. Mm. And, but to show what is originally imagined outright, just out of like it's like. You have nothing to compare it to. There's no outright evidence that it actually happened except from the stories of people who have survived it. So I don't, I, for me, it's like, well, some people can find it gratuitous, but also it is a primary tool for a lot of activist literature and uh, filmography. So I don't know. What do you think about this uh, usage of graph, gore and like graphic things? This was famously mm. done with Piola Pascual, who played... Uh, 
one of the Bartolome boys in the Decada 70 who went with the NPA and eventually mm. was captured and tortured. So this was a mainstream film. Mm. And this is one of the tools, again, of the Edson narrative when mm. during martial law, they tortured and mm. killed activists. But at the same mm. time, if, you, if you're from the other side, mm. you'd say, but they're threats to the government. And again, traidor is a common, especially if it's a, if it's a partisan thing, mm. uh, literature. It's a heavy theme in both films mm. you know that's the thing uh, the traitor in the ranks in Katips again the primary traitor was Aleta's former lover was actually a deep penetrating agent so <clears throat> but then again the the other traitor part which is they dubbed the government as traitorous uh, it is to an extent uh, one way to give substance to their claim that they're the new Katiponeros. Again, that's another issue. I would go back to that one. But uh, the image of Katiponero is already a semi-mythical figure mm-hmm. in our history and in our popular, you know, popular culture. Uh, to claim that you are this semi-mythical creature is, again, it can mm. flop. Uh, but yeah. then again, going back to your question, <clears throat> what about this use of violence or depiction of violence? Again, <clears throat> it's a reminder that Repression is brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, political stability, when accomplished <clears throat> violently, would entail such mm-hmm. situations. It would entail such human costs. So it's a reminder for people that this is political. This is violence. I will not call it political violence. Politics ceases when violence occurs. So this is violence. Ooh, yeah. uh, but. You know how the, the, the next question is, <clears throat> even if it is this, <clears throat> there are multiple ways to receive such depictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're an activist, if you're progressive, if you're liberal, it would fire up your, mm-hmm. you know, it would fire up your willingness to fight for justice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that you are being exposed to uh, such violence and you, you, you would believe that such violence should not occur. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, you you would support uh, what you call movements to stop such things from happening, or if you're a radical, then you, it would prepare you for such things. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, I was watching. Whenever I see torture scenes, such political scenes, I'd say, "Okay, this may happen to me, so I need to think of ways." Ah, to you. So okay. you know, I, I yeah. will not allow myself to be tortured like that. I'd rather kill myself. So. Okay. Uh, that's or spill that, that, or talk. <laughs> no, I'm or not gonna. I'm not gonna spill or talk. I'm gonna kill myself before that happens. So I'm already preparing for that. Yeah. So, so that's that's what no that, that, that's, that that is what going so that, that is what that is what always goes on in my head whenever I'm exposed to such you know portrayals of torture. Hmm. Uh, I, I know that I could not withstand that, but I will not dare speak. Hence, I would just keep a file of potassium cyanide with me. Wow. But, uh, okay. but that's that. If you're a radical, you would be prepared with that. Yes. Uh, and of course, the image of a martyr. Yeah. Uh, if you are from the other side, you can receive it in two ways. Yeah. First would be you would excuse, as you mentioned earlier on, you would say that uh, they're rebels and they deserve such things. Mm-hmm. You can say that if you're from the other side. So that is the more darker side of among Filipinos or of human mm-hmm. nature. Right. But 
I think the most, the more important one would be how moderates would respond to that. And this is what yeah. would account for, I think, a larger chunk of our population, which is when they see such gratuitous yeah. depictions and realistic depictions of violence, <clears throat> what they would say is, okay, this should not happen. You know, but I think it, that's... It, <clears throat> yeah, okay, but, but yeah. <clears throat> let me finish for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm having a... Um, uh, how they would respond to that one? I think this is this would account for my hypothesis. This would account for a larger chunk of, um, right. of Filipinos. They would say that it's bad that it happened. There must be justice. But they would say that in order for you to prevent such things from happening, you should not be an activist. Yes, actually, that's the weird thing. I yeah. was about to say that. Like, there is a the way that the main cast is portrayed. There are very radicalized they're very aware they're woke mm. but they are they do not represent the average ordinary filipino and they're hoping they we as the audience will make a connection like you did where this might happen to me mm. but i don't think there were enough people that represented the average ordinary filipino maybe it represented with the girlfriend the art i don't remember her name mm. she was like very just she was just brought in mm. like oh hello excuse me there's a curfew manga. and she was like very modern, but I don't think she was utilized enough. And mm. she wasn't. And I think another person that could have been, well, to an extent, Lara represented the radicalized moderate. Mm. The Not ideal. Even moderate. <laughs> yeah, the ideal. That she was changed. The mulat siya. But it, I don't know. It, something did not click. You know, may kulang eh. The average Filipino is not yeah. present in that. Yes. Because in the way, the average yeah. Filipino wasn't made through the maids and the drivers, in the mm. sense, or at least on their crowd. Mm. But in made Malacanang, parang wala eh. She in is Katips. privileged. Katips. She is, yeah, in Katips, she was privileged. Lara was privileged. Yeah. She was very rich. She was sent and she was a Broadway star. So they, we, we want to convert Broadway stars? <laughs> yeah, you know, this, yeah. to an extent, implies yeah. the... <clears throat> the conceit of activists. Mm. The average Filipino did not appear in that movie because they're the ones that they are fighting for. Mm-hmm. So they should not speak. It's like, we're fighting for you, don't worry. We represent yeah. you, yeah. But when they do allow ordinary Filipinos to speak, then they have the dance number of Marcos Loyalists. Oh, yeah, that one. I actually <clears throat> hated that one wherein, you know, the character of art had a father who loved uh, Apo, I love mm. you, Apo. They just said, I love you, Apo, over and over. Like, okay, but why? But of course, they said oh, he wants everything to be clean and orderly, <laughs> which, okay, is valid, but there's a thesis statement, but not. <clears throat> they just said they want everything to be clean. They provide, they arrive with jobs. And I think, um, which is poetic, and I think I told this to you then, that mm. this, despite him be loving, the father loving Marcos, it was his son that was captured, tortured, and killed. Mm. They did not show the father realizing that that person's killed. And that would have been a perfect moment yeah. for conversion, uh, like <clears throat> radicalization. Like, I'll kita Marcos, but pinatay mo yung anak ko. That would have been a powerful moment. But no, mm. it was like, it's, it's oddly enough that ang daming kulang, pero parang mm. ang haba ng pelikula. <laughs> it is, it, was it so, yeah. longer than Minin Malacanang? It was two hours. There's so much un- unnecessary dancing. Exactly. <laughs> so, again, you know, going back to form. Uh, yeah. That's why I said that Made in Malacanang was more was more effective because there was a line, there was a clear alignment, an integration between form right. and substance. Hmm. But Katips, the substance 
it's there but the form was just yeah way off you know it's tricky to transpose a musical into a movie it's tricky yes. and if you do it right if you do it right if you make the dance and the songs naturally integrated yes. into the scenes meaning when you say natural or realistic that means uh, people would expect someone to sing in that in, in yeah. that in that instance yeah and and they they would act and move in a natural fashion if if you do that then that would be a successful transposition yeah the problem is it was not the transposition it was a it it was not transposed it was it was basically a theater production yeah film. which again if you just point the, the camera stage. at the stage yeah, yeah and they it's like oh it's on stage okay so we're just watching a stage production fine yeah. but again they acted as if they were on stage in like real life which just made it awkward yeah, the songs did not even forward. Okay, the first few songs are okay, it's introducing the characters. Okay, it's first quarter storm, and then that go well, Gasila. But it did not forward the story. Like, literally, one of oddly enough, one of the best songs was also the most unnecessary. It's like, and they were just saying, and they were falling in love. But it's like, again, they're just showing off their singing skills, which fine. Like, too much one day more. Yeah, they need to find yeah. a new composer for a new production. <laughs> yeah, are you? Is this your way of saying get me as a libertist? Or... <laughs> it's it's uh, my way of saying get someone else. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but, uh, Vincent Yada. I mean, sorry, well intentioned. It's, but it's yeah. well intentioned. It's a it's 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 an apt tribute to those who suffered under martial law. But as a movie, bleh. <laughs> I suppose we can quickly remark on how it ended, which is basically yeah. I, the it shows eventually the aged activists mm. uh, in Pantay which is a real monument and a real museum, which I, again uh, memorializes activism, you know, the nuns and tanks, and you know the time they spent. But it kind of and of course they sang a happy number. At the end, you know, remembering the people that lost their lives, the real people, mm. are in, in the back, in the backdrop, when mm. in the front drop you have like the actors. So yeah. again, it show it, it. There's it's a little. It's not in the more spliced. You mm. have history on the background, and then the drama on the foreground. So at least there, it's a, at least a touching, real tribute to activism. Mm. But it kind of makes you again. I, I told you this. It kind of makes you ask the question. And before even that scene, it just it was just them. Losing and uh, losing their loved ones, mourning over the ones they lost, mm. especially the gruesome death of Alet, the Tandang Sora. Um, and, they, and after that, there was the Ninoy's funeral and then people power. But it didn't really show that triumph. You know, it didn't even show that it was activism, was a triumph. Because remember, Ed's uh, turn because of like Mark, like Ramos, Enrile, and Cardinal Sin, which are elite actors in some ways. Mm. So is it an is it really a victory of the average ordinary activist? Because sure, the average activist can say, oh, okay, yeah, sure, you mm. started it. They had the momentum. You gave, some of you gave your lives. But if they continued, would the regime fall? So mm. I don't, that's my question there. But what do you think about the use of Pantayo? Yeah, I, regarding that, I, I think I would leave that as an open question and an issue, which I think should be settled because they're just skirting around this issue for a long time. Right. 
mm. but they need they need to settle this mm. uh, elaborating on what you mentioned <clears throat> uh, who writes history and who moves history again there are different ways to address that issue you can say that again big elites shape history mm-hmm. so there's a there's a historical Steer, maybe yeah, there, there's a historical doctrine for that they have they've mm-hmm. been emphasizing elites but then again there's also uh, the argument that history is moved by the small the little guy mm-hmm. the, the, the the ordinary the average the mundane mm-hmm. uh, but then again <clears throat> the movie to an extent emphasizes the latter mm-hmm. which is history was moved by the average, the, the right. small, the mundane, mm-hmm. and the, the, the minor characters, not the elites. If you are to maintain logical consistency with that argument, then you need to shift some blame away from the Marcoses as elites and mm. to the likes of <laughs> the likes of the policemen who were arresting. Simon those. Confiado. The, oh, the actual people who tortured yeah. and killed. The actual people tortured and killed. So if you want to maintain logical consistency, then you must admit that so that's how, a problem. Yeah. Did uh, we even like prosecute them? I think they, they are. They're being prosecuted. But the, 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 the public discourse right now blames everything on Marcos. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, Marcos uh, didn't even appear in the Katips. There is there's a misalignment between uh-huh. the argument to praise activists, which is basically the small, the, the little guy, the, yeah. the average. Uh, there's a misalignment between praising them and putting the blame on a few. Mm-hmm. So... Again, that they would say that yeah, it's command, you know, it's command structure, it's a right. hierarchy of command. Hmm. But uh, but that's w- one way to address that question, and to an extent, that is no longer holding. You know, hmm. you could not convince people with that, because right. Marco supporters can easily blame his subordinates. Hmm. How the hell do you deal with that? Right. So, in your name, I I leave that to our listeners. Hmm. But that is something that you must settle. You know, if you actually want to converse with the other side, because that's the reason mm, of the other right. side. Mm. So, you know, man, you know. Right. But again, <clears throat> how did you so, feel after watching the damn thing? Honestly, embarrassed because it's my money I spent on the tickets for that movie. <laughs> and at the same time, embarrassed for UP because it's the logo of UP was proudly worn by the director who also starred as one of the primary characters. Um, again, while there are good possible issues raised, like the role of art, the again radicalization, you know, of some, mm. um, the reality of torture, uh, there was it wasn't it was just simply presented. There wasn't a lot of tension because, in a way, if you want to present an idea, you need to challenge it from its counter, you know, mm. from its opposite. At least there was in Made in Malacanang. There's some tension there with like the monstrous yellow Corey supporter and the law like the Marcus may, may opposite but the here man. it's like but the opposite Lara. Thing, but it's Lara, to Lara and like Montompiado and the mm. Metropole yeah. but it, it, they were caricatures they were theatrical mm. caricatures and cinema you could do much more in cinema and in a way they did do adjustments for cinema like what you said maybe there are more talking scenes that allowed for transitions uh, and to have a break between the singing and dancing. And give more power uh, to the cameraman who went mad with it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like even just looking through the camera work, it, it's chaotic. So it, I feel like it's a, it's an inexperienced foray or a, a, like an attempt in 
presenting a movie like that. A musical and I, and there's movie. some yeah, there is good in it, but because the again the camera work and direction wasn't as focused, it was too loud and bombastic. Mm-hmm. Then the message is lost with a lot. A lot of things could have mm-hmm. been edited out. Yeah. Certain things could have been added in, like like the tension between, like that, that would have, honestly that was a great it would have been a great moment where a Marcus supporter lost their son. Mm. That's a great radicalization. Dapat sumama siya sa huli, di ba? Mga dayon, di ba? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Great moment. It, it, it to our listeners, hard. yeah, I think our listeners are currently saying right now, eh, you're you're nitpicking in form. Uh, please, ladies and gentlemen. We are looking at artistic artifacts, mm. or propaganda artifacts. There must be an alignment between form and substance. So, oh. so, bilang kanina yung taon na nanonood ng ganyang pelikula, <laughs> nakakapagod talaga yung katips. Kasi yeah. isa, mali naman na kanina yung parang ano eh. Pwede naman maging MMFF, typical MMF film. It's easy to, easy to digest. They're just mm. people in a house. Ito, ang, dapat, ang daming nangyayari. So, sim- as a simple person, like, You can watch it in a movie. It's difficult to watch. The songs could have been recorded. So, yeah. The songs they could have been recorded. No, the songs could have been recorded without being performed. They were dubbed. They, they, could, they, they could have been background music. Uh, anyway, it's, it's again, the form mismatched with the substance and the substance yeah. conveying the substance. So, so in this battle, sadly, based on our reading and analysis, at least... While we do not agree with the thesis of Made in Malacanang, it is more coherent <laughs> and more. I hate to say uh, this. Well, more focused. So that's that's the <clears throat> that's the sad thing about this dual box office battle. In, in, But, in a yeah. propaganda fight, in the propaganda fight, Made in Malacanang won. Well, what do you think? Can both films do better? Uh. Stop. <laughs> ah! <laughs> That's a, you know stop. Yeah, tigil na natin to. No, but uh, yeah. you know, uh, okay. I will start with the tips because I I, I have high hopes for this. Uh, Liwai already exists as yes. a frame. Uh, Liwai is a good frame. Uh, I think, and again, there are good models for transposing musicals into movies. Mm. So any subsequent attempts to do the same thing should learn right. from those. And uh, again, maraming ane. Uh, should it be preachy? You know, that's the thing that I would like to emphasize. Should, both are preachy. Yeah, both are yeah. preachy. Uh, should katips or should the likes of katips or should any su- su- succeeding productions that are you know consequent or just like katips, should it be preachy? I don't think it should be. Mm. They it need not be preachy. And it would appeal to more people if it is not. Uh, and if it would appeal, to, it would appeal to more people if they're they have more characters that they can empathize with, because mm. not everyone can empathize with activists. Mm. Not everyone can. Too bad. Right. Mm. So, if you want more and more people, if you want the average inactive right person to empathize with, you need to show a character. You need to flesh out the character like that. I'm- I mean, I just realized that besides, of course, the element of Tangdang Sora, which is interesting, like eventually Lara inherits that role from Alep, hmm. which is actually for me a touching moment. Yeah. But besides that, it is basically expressed, the same thesis is expressed in Decade 70, which I, well, I, I 
reviewed both the musical and the movie and both at least are more coherent and tolerable than Katips. So <laughs> you're, when you're saying there are models exist, yeah, the Gata Setenta, the musical and the movie. Yeah. So I don't know, it already exists. So if they re-released the Gata Setenta, it would have had more of a fighting chance. Mm. At the very least, I suppose that could be a good recommendation, I suppose, but I'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just, that's... yeah. So yeah, final well, final remarks. Um, I suppose we sh- again we should say this again. These are not necessarily historical authoritarian well authoritarian materials. I suppose it presents version authoritative historical documents. These are dramatizations of historical narratives, yeah. interpretations, yeah, and. Take each with a grain of salt. Yeah. And when making it, it's important to stick to the fundamentals of narrative and filmmaking. Mm. Don't go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Don't go yeah, crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. The, yeah. Yeah. I think regarding a one final remark, uh, just to add up to what you said, mm. uh, this may not be historically factual. Again, I if you want historical facts, watch a documentary. Mm. Watch a documentary or make one. Mm. But uh, don't expect such a thing from a movie. It's quite stupid too. But uh, mm. we must appreciate these two movies not really as historical documents depicting our past, but this is our way of making our history. Mm. These mm. are our attempts to settle our current crisis in political identity. So I think this is the appropriate way to appreciate these two movies. Mm-hmm. Uh because this is what their substance is all about. It's about presenting mm. a political identity to those who would view it. Mm. Okay. I uh, don't know. Is, is, I, 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 maybe one last thing before that. Yeah. Is there something wrong with like humanizing the Marcoses? Because humanizing even villains is dramatically interesting. In the way, you know, mm. Milton humanized the devil of all people, like mm-hmm. Lucifer. <laughs> There's even a series about Lucifer, you know, yeah. literally the devil yeah, yeah. humanized as a protagonist. Yeah. So is there something wrong with that? No, I, of I course, think... there's political ends, yeah. But yeah, no, no. I don't think there's something wrong with it. Going back to Milton and the subsequent genre of humanizing Lucifer, it is not... Uh, there's nothing wrong with it if it opens up a grand avenue for mm. more humanizations, for yes. a, a more diverse exploration of right. a, a controversial figure like Marcos. Mm-hmm. So, again, the challenge is, I would leave this to our listeners. If you yes. know someone from the progressive camp who is a director, or probably Vince Tanyada right now, I'm probably addressing you directly. Yeah. Make a movie about the Marcoses. Oh. Do your play own. Their game. Uh, yeah. Pro- pro- uh, Play their game, provide a fair-handed assessment, a humanization of the Marcoses, mm. a grittier one if you want. Okay, so it match up. Yung, <laughs> oh, Gdaril Yap already admitted he doesn't do that much research. Then match mm. that up. Do your research. There are many books, I account witness, uh, <clears throat> eyewitness accounts of those people who are also close to the Marcoses during the last few days. Mm. So it is a challenge uh, for progressive filmmakers right now. The avenue is open. They have humanized the Marcoses. Mm. It is not, it's just, they, they don't have a monopoly over that right now. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. You can do that as well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing if you want to humanize the Aquinos, if you want. Meron bang movie on the Aquinos? I think there were already movies on the Aquinos, well, but not that there's many. There's one with starring Coco Martin, which is about no, literally following the, the Noi Noi Aquino campaign. Mm-hmm. There is, I'm trying to remember, oh, there's some, maalala mo kaya, I think about Cory? But I think it's time for the Marxists. So, but yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with humanizing if and only if it opens up an avenue for more attempts, a more diverse. on <clears throat> facts. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say, I think all of them would be grounded on pieces of facts. Yeah. Uh, but if you want something grounded on facts, you need the documentary for that. But for okay. movies, it's about exploring different dimensions of the humanity of that character. Yeah. So this movie showed Marcos as a frail human being in desperation. Who loves his family. Yeah, who loves his family. Someone would show Marcos, probably in the future, someone, do, someone would show Marcos as the great dynamic leader. Mm-hmm. I am expecting Daryl Yap to make a movie about the young Marcos as a young dynamic Ooh. lawyer who fought his way out of a conviction. So I, I mean, Ignuit <clears throat> tried to do that, but again, yeah. it's black and white. Yeah, it's so really they, old. So they probably do that. version of that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, or, prob- or probably have that. And- <laughs> like young Sheldon, young yeah. Marcus. <laughs> yeah, show, show the dark side of Marcus. And, and not, not the caricature version of him. Yeah. Just, just show his conniving, quote unquote, Machiavellian. Mm. I mentioned again, I'm using that one with great qualifications, but mm-hmm. you know, for our listeners. So, probably House of Cards version of Marcos. Jesus. So, mm-hmm. marami, there are multiple ways to, to exploit this. So, mm-hmm. maybe is an opportunity for progressive filmmakers to take advantage of humanizing Marcos. Yeah. Okay. So, that's a hardy discussion. Oh my God. Because <laughs> kahit ngayon eh sumagot ang ulo ko dati I tried to tried, nagbanlaw ako with the Netflix of Sandman and it was great that's a recommendation but I go it, it is, at least now we've analyzed actually I still have more to say but yeah. yeah let's move on to recommendations so that we can continue the conversation with other materials and I think for this recommendation, we have a special offer uh, with a new partner. And I think, of course, our podcast is partnering with other brands. In this case, we have talked about their books before. It's, of course, the Ateneo de Manila University Press. And they have generously offered a promo code for our readers, which grants 20% off on all books at Shopee. And this, of course... If you want to have uh, to avail this code, uh, simply type in a t e n p i p o d. That's aten pipod, aten pipod. That a t e n p i p o d. So that'll give you twenty percent off on all books. And of course, as part of this partnership, we promote and we we have consistently promoted their books before, like for example, Wataru Kusaka's Moral Politics in the Philippines and Patronage Democracy, yeah. Clans, Clients, and Competition. You know, those two are great books. You should buy buy them. You can use it to buy that. Or you can, more related to this topic, we have one of their new books called Keeping Memories, Film Archiving in the Asia-Pacific, edited by 
the, one of the few film historians in the Philippines, Nick mm-hmm. Diocampo. But um, and well, he brings to, he brings together, of course, experts from various parts of the Asia Pacific. You know, the experience of Hong Kong movies, Vietnam uh, movies, Philippine movies, etc. And while, of course, you it remember, it, in a way, it's also a good promotion of a lot of his important films important for national identity of certain countries mm. you know there it moves sometimes to the decision of funding for archives a lot of the times they run out of that like funding so they resort to at least selling them or maybe just they end up being sold for the silver in the in the reels so nangangalakal nila yung ano uh, so that's sad uh, and you know they're, it's, they're faced with the decision of which films to discard or which to keep which is sad and sometimes we can ask ourselves how many of the Filipino classics are being properly uh, maintained or properly being archived or, or even converted digitally there's digital archiving which some have been doing but others mm. are still have yet to do so it's uh, both a, an inspiring thing if you are a film buff. You know, it's very niche, but at the same time, it kind of opens your horizons to a, a lot of kinds of films. Some are documentaries, others are uh, like important films like Dalagan Bukid for the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have, um, I, I remember, I'm not sure if this is, but this is not mentioned in the book, but I remember this short uh, film in. Uh, in uh, Cinemalaya, they showed that apparently mm. the original film of Genghis Khan, which is one of the first oh. earliest films, is actually being, but well, it's in need of, of preservation, but it's apparently expiring in a closet somewhere in San Francisco, I think, or Florida, I can't remember which, oh. which is sad because Genghis Khan apparently was one of the at its time, one of the best-made Filipino films about, you know, they, they were surprised that they had authentic Mongolian horses, which were regular Filipino horses. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it, So, yeah, but apparently the CCP and the, well, the film authorities in the Philippines aren't buying it. So that's one story that may not be in the book. It's related. So, it's, so yeah, it kind of gives you the issues of archiving. And one of these days, maybe we can bring Nick De Ocampo to discuss it so uh, we're able to what, what can you say about this book board yeah yeah i'll start reading it soon <clears throat> yeah <laughs> start reading soon but uh, i think before we get nick the ocampo here yeah oh, of course i would read it okay anyway um so besides that do we have any recommendations yeah recommendations uh well, I don't have any books to recommend for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would leave that to our next episode on propaganda mm-hmm. and history. But uh, for now, I would have several movies. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, I'm a fan of biopics and historical drama. Mm-hmm. So I know where I'm speaking from. So <laughs> mm-hmm. my first recommendation would be, <clears throat> again, the, the musical Evita would be there. I think mm-hmm. I already recommended this one before. Oh yeah, but uh, no more explanations for that. If you want to watch a proper adaptation of a musical into a movie, that would be one mm-hmm. model. Uh, but uh, I would also recommend uh, Eva Peron, the true story, which is another right. movie. Uh, mm-hmm. provides a more realistic and more grittier account, uh, mm-hmm. more 
it's a movie of uh, about David Perron as well. And again, these are very mm-hmm. controversial figures. Uh, another one which I would uh, gladly recommend uh, two uh, two movies. I think uh, first would be uh, looking at a political event from different perspectives had been one of the main themes of films regarding the French Revolution, uh, and I think the most recent one, uh, twenty eighteen, uh, entitled. One Nation, One King looks mm. at the French Revolution from the perspective not only of its elites per se, but from the perspective of ordinary peasants. Mm. So, yeah. so yun ang, this is the twist that they that this movie provided. Albeit, it's a bit because they're trying to make a balance between mm-hmm. the perspective of ordinary uh, citizens and, of course, uh, elites. So, medyo, medyo but again, you would yeah. still see. Uh, still see the gritty side of it from the perspective of those who are actually trapped <laughs> yeah. trapped in such tumultuous times mm. uh, but regarding I think this would be one of the better biopics of a controversial historical figure mm. uh, Danton uh, mm. this is mm. this was released in 1983 uh, it stars Gerard uh, uh, de Perdue as Danton mm. yeah so Danton is a controversial figure uh again this his character here was fleshed out alongside fleshing out rob spear so it's actually yeah. dual so it's actually double uh, film but it focuses more on danton so danton is one of the fathers of the reign of terror he's one of the fathers of the committees justice mm. he was actually one of the architects of the very mechanism that yeah. caused the reign of terror but he left and retired so this movie is about him coming back trying to stop the reign of terror so it's mm-hmm. him trying to, it's him trying to redeem himself. Right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's him trying to redeem himself, and there was one key scene here that actually embodies the uh, embodies the, the the contradiction. All right. So he was in prison, and someone in the someone in the jail. Right? He was walking through the jail. Someone in the jail grabbed him, mm-hmm. and said that you're finally with us. <laughs> because that person was imprisoned because of him, so yes. so that's that's this great irony of it. And so yeah, just watch this. I think it's available in YouTube. Yes. I'll I'll link it up with YouTube. So uh-huh. yeah, uh, yeah, it's a good film. Right. I have a few recommendations actually. Uh, first, I think one thing that Patips tried to do, but kind of this did first and done better was the guy that's at the end of the movie, and I think you can watch it. Uh, it's starring Vilma Santos, uh, Christopher De Leon, Piolo Pascual, Marvin Agustin. A lot of the best actors of their time, actually. And it's one of the most awarded films. I suppose, weird, like Katips was a heavily awarded in FAMAS. I suppose mm. it's a political awards, but the guy does the same thing, but at least it's a bit more watchable. So yeah, and of course, if the musical is filmed, I think it's, if, well, the songs aren't much better, but it's more well-integrated. It forwards the story a bit better. And um, I think another good film that I suppose made in Malacanang um, kind of took notes on possibly, it, but also in a way this one did better in humanizing an individual um, is Kazon's Game starring Ramon Pakaching, mm. and you and I watched that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, 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 yeah, in portraying at, at least, at the very least, the um, small space character drama, political character dramas, but also how, again, the political in, interacts with the private mm. and encroaches on the personal, and how, of course, his failing health also depicted the failing of his mm. administration, but in a way, 
his resolve allowed him to save a lot of Jews, you know, the Jewish refugees from mm. Nazi Germany. So he wasn't invincible, but it was a good balanced drama on a very, very iconic president in the Philippines. Uh, I suppose Liu Wai would be there. This is the third time I would recommend it, but in a way, it does what Made in Malacanang did, but for NPA people. It highlighted the NPA people, Carter Lee Wai, mm. as a mother, as a wife, in the same way that they humanized the Marcoses. Mm. So it, it, it's, and it also fleshes out, of course, the tensions between them and their opponents. Mm. It depicts uh, Mar- Marcos loyalists as well, and even the authorities in, as hum- three dimensional humans. So it, you can watch this on YouTube, you know, freely. So yeah, I think a lot, a lot of Filipino films have done what they have, both these films have tr- tried to do before. So you can, it's good to compare and study both of that. Yeah. But would we, rec- but I think before we leave, would we, we recommend our listeners to watch either or both films because <laughs> so they, they don't have to, and we have tried to extract the. Important um, insights, but what do you think? Do you uh, watch it or no? Don't <laughs> if you have spare money, if you have spare money, fine, go ahead yeah. watch it. But I think whether you decide to watch it or not, uh, going back to what I said before, uh, this these two movies they're not friendly to nonpartisan mm-hmm. entities, right? They're not. Yeah. Uh, so watch at your own risk. Okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Although at least they've given the choice at point like at gunpoint. I would say maybe through maybe through streaming you can watch Made in Malacanang just to know what they're being fed and so you can combat it effectively not through facts necessarily but oh. through again character drama because sometimes it's drama that and poetry in a way that changes the hearts and minds, not history books. Although history books are important as well. Uh, so yeah, I think it's important to recognize that Daryap is dangerous and is good at what he does, but we have to understand why. He With, is dangerous. It, yeah. In some cases, you know, even if you're informed in history, you can get yourself carried away with the human power of the human drama. But yeah, uh, perhaps we can get back into these uh, films soon. Maybe we can bring in a roundtable of our friends from yeah. film and history to discuss this technicality of further. But that is a hearty discussion. Thank you, Borge, for having me process this and of course, uh, accompanying uh, me to inspect this box office <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for being with us in this uh, experience. Uh, as usual, you can find us on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Spotify and Anchor. You may send us an email at pipodcastph at gmail.com. Until the next episode. Magandang gabi, mga pabiyay.